1: To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, WRFALP.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. You
0: are tuned in to Arts on Fire right here on 107.9 WRFA. How you doing out there? I'm your host, Anthony Merchant. We got more guests for you on this episode of the show. Right now, we're talking to author, director, actor, and teacher Ron Destro, who has a brand new book out now, The Star, The Moon, The Sun. It is out everywhere in physical, electronic, and audiobook format. Take your pick. You will find it. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about the book and a whole lot more with Ron. Ron, how you doing?
1: Oh, I'm great, Anthony. It's a pleasure to talk to you.
0: So let's uh you know, you know like I mentioned there in the uh, intro, I mean, you obviously do quite a bit. You don't uh you don't just wear one hat. So I mean, for people who maybe don't uh who don't know you, I mean, let's talk a little bit about your uh background and what you do cuz again, I can't I can't just sit here and say we're talking, you know, to author or just actor or anything like that. There there's a lot going on there, Ron. You got a lot going on.
1: Well, I you know, I never learned a respectable trade. What can I say? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I started. I grew up in Jamestown. Nice. And nice. Uh, so so uh, you know, I got a good grounding at the little theater, uh, now Lucille Ball Theater. And uh, when I was a kid, it's funny. I studied with a woman at a uh, little theater called Madeline Osgood. And this is when it was way out on the outskirts of town, and not in the building it is now. But at, at any rate, Madeline. Had been Lucille Ball's teacher when Lucy was in high school.
0: Oh wow! And
1: years later, when I moved out to Los Angeles, uh, I had a chance to actually study with Lucy, and oh, wow. so that was a thrill.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, yeah that, that had to be that'd be pretty <laughs> neat. Quite the quite the person <laughs> to see yeah. you. Uh, you know, worked with.
1: Oh, absolutely. She was wonderful. She was really terrific. And uh, she cared about all of the the students in the class and showed a lot of uh, interest. It was very helpful. And she gave us a lot of clues about how to survive as an actor uh, in this business. And also, uh, you know, if someone was doing a show, she'd come and see it. And she was very, very helpful. After leaving Jamestown and Fredonia, I went I went out to Los Angeles and studied acting there. And then I uh, went to London to study Shakespearean acting. And after a year on an American program with the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, I came back to New York and I did my uh, MFA in directing at Brooklyn College. And then uh, went on to do some playwriting and... Uh, have been working, I started the Oxford Shakespeare Company, which takes actors from all over the world and we go and perform in the summer. Uh, we do Shakespeare in its original settings, like we'll do Hamlet in Elsinore or Macbeth in Burnham Wood, Scotland. And so that's, that's a lot of fun and that's what I, I do uh, mostly. And, and I've written, generally I write plays, but I thought I'd try my hand at a novel and it, it happens to be a murder mystery that, that reveals who the real William Shakespeare was. So that's the core of the book. And I was very happy to get one of my favorite actors, Sir Derek Jacoby, uh, recorded the audiobook version. And, and that, was, that was very exciting for me.
0: Well, let's, let's get into the new book. I mean, how long, you know, it just like came out, how long has it been out for now?
1: Uh, it just came out at the beginning of September, so it's only been out a month, and uh, I've started to do book talks and book signings around uh, where I live in Florida. And I'll be next week. I'll be in London, and I'm going to sign some books. And so we're uh, we've just started uh, to to see what the interest is.
0: How does it how does it feel to finally have this out? Because, I mean, I feel like on uh, including here on Arts on Fire, I mean, I talk to people from, you know, people who release books, people who, I mean, have released movies, who have released music, whatever it is. Something about books to me seems like maybe the most daunting task of like just seems like there's so much that goes into it. It seems like it takes the longest. Maybe it's just maybe it's because I've never done it. It seems that way. But basically, I mean, getting that out into the world after you put all that work and time into this—I mean, how does it feel to finally uh, have this for the world to see and enjoy?
1: Well, yeah, that's that's a big thrill to have people actually start reading it and uh, sending me messages saying you know I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's a page turner. Uh, I I I wish. I wish it won't. I hope it, you know, I, I'm sorry it's going to end because I want it to continue. So it's nice. It's nice to get that kind of feedback. Um, and and so, you know, I was I was very careful, even though I, I, I've spent about 20 years researching the Shakespeare authorship question, because when I when I was young, I'd always heard that there was a question about was Shakespeare, Shakespeare, and uh, if, if not, who, who was the real writer who used that pseudonym, and so uh, I have spent about 20 years researching it, but I wanted to make sure that, uh, well, about 20 years ago, I wrote it as a screenplay, and I went out to LA, <clears throat> and I had a director who was interested in doing the film, but at that time, there was another film called Anonymous, which was just about ready to come out and so they, they decided it wasn't time for me to, to put this out as another film. So I, I've been sort of sitting on the idea of doing it for a while and then uh, after 20 years uh, the pandemic came and I was sitting at home and I thought well you know what maybe I'll turn that idea into a novel. And so I, it took about a year to write it and then it took about another year to get an agent Uh, and uh, I I was very careful. What I wanted to do was not write a book uh, trying to prove the argument of whether Shakespeare was Shakespeare or somebody else because there are enough books about that. I wanted to write an interesting murder mystery, a really good whodunit. That was what I thought was very important because the audience for the book is a general reader who may not be interested in shakespeare who may not have read shakespeare so i didn't want it to sound too shakespearean so i wanted to write it so that people could understand it today and anyone who you know likes a good murder mystery could pick it up and uh and follow it and and enjoy it so that was my goal and so the other day i was walking uh with my son in barnes and noble and they had a copy of the book there on the shelf so that was a big thrill
0: Oh, very nice. Very nice. It's it is out there in the world. It true it truly is. You got you got proof there.
1: My sister, by the way, just sent me a photo. It's also at the Chautauqua bookstore. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there next summer to do a talk.
0: Oh no, very nice. So we can expect, yeah. you know, people listening to this can expect to uh meet the author at some point here sure. in the area. No, I like I like like you were saying, I like that you can kind of get both sides. You know, I'm sure you get the Shakespeare fans, but There's still the angle where even if you don't know a ton of Shakespeare, you can still kind of get into the uh, book. It's also, I got to say, it's interesting that idea that it started as a play and then, you know, making it into a novel. I mean, that process, what was it like? You know, I guess I guess I'd be like transcribing it for that. Like, I mean, was it it's crazy because, again, like there is this thing where I mean, I I talk to people again constantly on this show who are making or releasing something. And books are just the one that just seems the most daunting to me. And I right. just writing a book itself seems hard. And I don't know if having a starting point or foundation of a play either makes it easier or harder to write a novel. So, I mean, I, I mean, I'm talking to someone who's done it. So let's ask you. But I mean, yeah, that process of transcribing it from play to novel. I mean, tell us about that process and what that was like.
1: Well, if you think about, you know, when when it's if it's written as a either a play or a, a screenplay, that means that uh you're writing a 2 hour mostly dialogue but there's action written in there and there and it's dialogue and it's 2 hours now a novel generally uh novels are mostly between 80 and 100,000 words so uh if you look at my audiobook for example the audiobook uh is just over 11 hours so you know if I had to add basically nine hours to what the original screenplay was now it's not a matter however i i didn't do it that way i didn't take the screenplay and and just transcribe it and then add filler because then it wouldn't really be uh interesting i don't think because i started at the beginning a book is really a lot of um well you hear the narrator and his voice, and he's describing what he sees and what's happening. And there is dialogue. He's speaking to people, and he's learning things. And uh, so, there actually, the the novel ended up being very different than what I had envisioned twenty years ago as a movie. Uh, number one, because of COVID, it got me thinking about the fact that the part of this story has to do with the plague. And so uh, that was an important part of what happened to Shakespeare and when the theaters closed and so forth. So I did a lot of research about what the plague was like and how that affected people in London. And of course, having just gone through that with COVID uh, and our lockdowns, I could see some comparisons and some differences. And so, uh, but, so, the book has a little bit of that. It's not a lot, but a little bit. the The most important aspect that changed when I had the original idea, at, all the way through to the novel, is, I have become a father. and the the Shakespeare story is all about fathers and sons. and i I personally believe, without giving away any spoilers, that the the reason the Shakespeare, identity had to remain a secret had to do with his son and so and there are other stories uh, in the book about fathers and sons and so it is a lot about that and I couldn't have written it without having my fantastic son Nick and uh, having gone through that experience so it it changed very much since I had the first idea but the narrator's voice is is what primarily is the driving force in the novel. Uh, you know, I have this narrator, Arthur Taverner. He's a sort of portly poet. He likes to drink. Um, he likes uh, his his uh, ale wench, and uh, he t- is telling the story in a very unique way, as only Arthur can tell it. And so um, that made a big difference in in how i was going to uh, comprise the book now actually the first draft when i finished it was 124,000 words so it was way longer than any publisher would want because generally with first time novelists uh they won't look at they won't look at a a book unless it's between 80 and 100,000 if it's more than hundred thousand words, they don't. It's too long for them, you know. Unless you're uh, J.K. Rowling's or Stephen King, so uh, so I had to actually trim it down, and uh, and that so that goes into the editing. And I was working with my editor, uh, and and she helped a lot because she would she would say she would look at things. I was I was so close to it, and she'd say, you know, you could do this or you could cut that. And I realized uh, that the the editing process is so important in a novel. So after three or four different drafts, I got it to a manageable AD one thousand words.
0: <laughs> no, that is, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is, yeah, you definitely, I mean, that is, uh, see, and things like that always interests me too, because I mean, I, the average person probably doesn't know that about like the word count and you know, publishers right. and everything like that. But yeah, man, you definitely, you did, you got in there with, uh, with, you know, <laughs> whether or not it was an easy or hard process, I think you uh, successfully did it. I think you successfully, uh, transcribed oh, it into a, uh, you know, novels or into a novel, I should say.
1: It's funny because now I am taking an actual play that I, I wrote a play about India. It's a serious play about dowry burnings in India. And so I, I'd written the play and it's had a, a bit of success. So I decided to turn that into a novel as my next project. And that, so when you just transcribe the play, it turned out to be, it's 20, about 20,000 words. So now I'm I'm doing a, a heck of a lot of research on the period at, so that I can fill it out and, and make people feel like they're in India, 1985, and all the things that were happening there. So... Uh, it it's more than just a transcription process.
0: Wow, no, and you're already on to the next thing. Book this, uh, yeah. <laughs> this one just came out. You're already on to the next one.
1: What might interest some of, some of your listeners is there's, a, uh, there's one of my favorite pop groups. I don't want to mention their name, but uh, they're, they're over in the UK. And they asked me to help them write a, I guess they call them jukebox musicals, where you, uh, their publishers have been after them for a while about taking their songs and turning them into like a Broadway musical. So that's, that's yeah. So that's my next theater project.
0: Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah.
1: So there's always something uh, (laughs) in the works.
0: (laughs) There's always something with you. I was gonna. Yeah. I was gonna ask. I mean, you know, with the with yes. this book and beyond. I mean, obviously, you're quite vert You know, you're very well versed in the uh, world of Shakespeare. I definitely. You seem like you know what you're talking about with them. You know, where do you remember the first time you uh, discovered Shakespeare? The first time you read them. You know, can, can, can yep. you remember that at all?
1: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, we all we all have to do maybe Julius Caesar or Romeo and Juliet in junior high or high school and a lot of times that does not interest students because the teacher may not be well-versed in Shakespeare or may not understand it. You know, we have, we have to accept the fact this is a foreign language, the way Shakespeare wrote, he was so brilliant and he, he, his vocabulary was double the next writer. So he, he was in a class all by himself. And so we have to, once we accept this was a, a brilliant genius, who was extremely well-educated and knew Latin, Greek, French, Italian, and who knew the classics and had an encyclopedic knowledge of just about everything. So once we understand that, we've got to figure out how to decipher it. And, and it's, you know, so it's hard when we're in school, unless you have a teacher who's really passionate and excited about Shakespeare to be able to pass that along to the kids. Uh, I remember, uh, when I, I was a teenager and I was working at Little Theater, Jamestown, we were doing, doing a show, and the director was a wonderful guy named Gibby Brand. And Gibby, uh, one day he did an audition for us, and it was a Shakespeare monologue. It was, the, it was called The Dog Speech uh, from Two Gentlemen of Verona. Anyway, it's a very funny speech. And uh, he did it. And it was so wonderful, it got me excited about Shakespeare because I could understand what he was doing. And so uh, after finishing high school, and I had John Powers, who's a wonderful drama teacher there and, and good friend of mine. And I, I, when I went to USC, you know, I went out to California because I wanted to become rich and famous like everybody else and be a movie star. And I quickly learned, having done – just some extra work in movies and hanging around the studios and getting to know people that rather than the goal being, I want to be rich and famous. I really realized it's better to just want to be a good artist because I had the good fortune of studying with John Hausman and working with him. And John was a partner of Orson Welles and Mercury theater. And, and John created the Juilliard school. And he came to USC to reorganize our department and so working with John, I realized it was better to just become a great actor, and that's when I made the decision to go to London and study Shakespeare, and so ever since then, Shakespeare has been my specialty, I guess you'd say.
0: What is it about uh, Shakespeare that that you feel like, you know, I mean, his writings obviously are still so beloved, they're still studied so much to this day, I mean, like you even just mentioned, I mean, I feel like most people listening to this, myself included, I mean, at some point in your schooling, you're probably going to read him like it's almost it's almost inevitable. Obviously, there's classes and everything. I mean, yeah. what would you what would you say is the reason why, you know, obviously his uh, legacy is lived on and, you know, we we're still such a beloved, you know, writer?
1: Well, I I think, number one, uh, his work is universal in that it's not overtly political or social it was but those the the that layer was kind of hidden under the main story in other words Shakespeare was writing his plays as propaganda for Queen Elizabeth and he was also sending her messages in the plays and commenting on the people of the day so he was making fun of Lord Burley and Christopher Hatton and all these these other people Lord Lester but uh but only the court would have gotten that meaning from the place. What we get is the universality. He's writing about human emotions, love, uh, guilt, jealousy, all of the things that we all experience, no matter when we live or where we are in the world. We can all identify with his stories and his characters. And so—and—and and a lot of his stories were based on old mythology and other stories that that he took. But the thing was, he just said it better than anyone else. And he, he, he had this amazing vocabulary at the ready. So he knew exactly how to say something and how to use a word that might have two or three different meanings. And he'd want us to hear both meanings simultaneously. He was so clever at language that he has expressed almost every thought that a human being has had yet he expresses it so much better than any of us can. Now, you know, again, it's, uh, I'm teaching a class now at the university of North Florida. And I, I was going over a sonnet with some of my actors uh, or students there uh, yesterday. And they, you know, they expressed their difficulty in just understanding the language. But when I showed them, uh, how to unlock the key, uh, or it, it became a little easier for them. So we just have to realize, uh, you know, if you go see a Shakespeare play, do your homework and read a summary of the play so you know roughly what it's about. But here's the problem. Most of us see Shakespeare plays that are poorly done, and that turns us off because the actors don't know what they're saying. The director doesn't understand it completely. And so most of us see bad productions and, and it's, it's not easy to find a great company of actors who are brilliant with Shakespeare. And that's the problem.
0: <laughs> you know, we, uh, you kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but beyond the uh, new book, I mean, it sounds like you're doing a lot of other things. It, uh, also writing more. Uh, it sounds like writing for the uh, next thing, but Besides yes. that, I mean, anything else going on right now in the world of uh, Ron Destro, people should be on the uh, lookout for?
1: Well, if, if there are any actors out there, uh, every summer, actually, we stopped for a few years, but starting this summer, we are again reopening the Oxford Shakespeare Company uh, summer workshops. And, and what that entails is actors, uh, they could just go to uh, Oxford shakespeare.org and um it's it's a drama we're basically a drama school that does shakespeare performances so um people can audition online if they're interested in going i think we're going to do something in Stratford upon avon this summer and so uh, probably a, a comedy like midsummer night's dream or all's well that ends well and uh so uh, i'll be i'll I direct the workshop and I hire teachers from the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art to teach the actors during the day. And then we, uh, we rehearse, we have classes and then, uh, then they, they have some free time to travel around and look at the city and, uh, explore a little bit. But so that I'm, I'm starting to prepare, uh, the, the plans for next summer for doing that. And, uh, other than that, it's just working on this, this musical I mentioned, and then, and then getting the next, uh, the next novel together.
0: You know, you do, uh, again, you do so much. Is there any kind of, uh, you know, in your career, is there still any kind of like creative endeavor that you, uh, haven't done or you haven't tried out something that you, uh, still would like to do in your career? Cause again, you've done so much already, but anything you still kind of want to do that you haven't tried out yet?
1: Well, I I feel like this this book that I just wrote, the Star, the Moon, the Sun, is kind of like my um, it, it, it's it's the work I'm most proud of, and uh, I mean I had a chance to work with Yoko Ono a, on a play we did in New York called Hiroshima, and I've I've worked with F. Murray Abraham on on a few projects. I've had I've been very very lucky, um, but this this new book is is my, uh, sort of opus. And so I'm hoping, uh, to, I'm talking with some people out in LA about doing a uh, film or kind of like a, uh, streaming series of, of maybe five or six films. So, so either make a movie of this, book. I'd love to, to be involved with making a movie of the book or, uh, you know, now everyone's doing the Netflix kind of six part, 10 part series. And so, either one of those uh, would would be a lot of fun. And so that that's on my bucket list, I guess, just getting getting this project uh, on the screen.
0: Well, very nice. I mean people uh, people have now heard <laughs> us kind of talk about the new book and everything. Where should we send people to grab the book? Where can we find you online? Where do we uh, where do we stay connected well, with Ron Destro and get the book at?
1: Well, it's kind of easy. Rondestro.com is my website, and, they, and people <laughs> could buy. They could buy the book, or they there are links to getting the the audio book, which is beautifully read by Derek Jacobi, uh, or they could get the the paperback. If if they buy the book from my website, I could sign it for them. Um, otherwise, they could buy it. For, we try to dis. You know, writers try to discourage people from going to Amazon, <laughs> uh, but. But um, it is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and on all the online uh, places. And if if they're not sure about the book, what I suggest people because someone asked me the other day, uh, I, I'm interested in the book, but will will I be able to understand it? So I said, go to Amazon and you know you can you can click the book cover and it will open the book so you could read the first few chapters, and uh, it'll give you an idea of what the book sounds like and i you know I've, I've tried very hard to make it accessible for everybody and enjoyable so it, you could go to amazon read the sample uh, you could also listen to a sample of the audiobook. and then if you if you decide you want one of those i would just suggest going to to my website rondestro.com if you want the paperback or the the e-book uh, and then you could get the audio book. Uh, audio book is only available on Amazon.
0: Well, nice. I mean, as we, uh, as we close this out, out Ron, I mean, is there anything else to, uh, let the people know before we go?
1: Well, I, you know, I look forward to coming back to the area. I'll, I'm, I'll be in Jamestown. Uh, we've got a high school reunion next summer and, uh, I'll be doing a book talk, uh, at Chautauqua. So I'm always looking forward to coming back and, uh, and seeing all my my old uh, friends, Dennis Drew, and Steve Gustason, and uh, some of the guys you you may have bumped into. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: <laughs> Actually, Dennis Drew, uh, founder of WRFA here, former general exactly. manager.
1: <laughs> exactly. What? Well, I went to school with those guys. They were wonderful, and I had the I had the privilege uh, years ago when when In Our Tribe came out uh, that I uh, made a video press release for electric records for them
0: oh nice nice yeah
1: so i directed interviews with each of the 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 group and that was a lot of fun so i I always look back look forward to getting back to jamestown and and we'll be there next summer well,
0: we're looking forward to having you back lots of uh places around here do uh book signings and whatnot so yeah it should not be hard to uh get you out there but we got oh run- good We got Ron Destro here. His new book is out now, The Star, The Moon, The Sun. I'm Anthony Merchant, and I will be back in just a moment with more for you right here on Arts on Fire.